It's the Punk Rock Classrooms Podcast, Episode 14, Getting Through the Pit. Well, I'm against it. I'm against it. Well, I'm against it. I'm against it. I don't like politics. I don't like communism. I don't like Hey, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. If you're commuting, hopefully that means this uh, COVID-19 pandemic's over. And if it's your plan time, that means you're back at school. I am Mike, principal extraordinaire from Lansing, Illinois. And I'm Josh Buckley, a social studies teacher from Mesa, Arizona. And we want to welcome you to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. Mike, let's, let's get our classrooms to be like a punk show, bring in passion, unity, and a little DIY attitude to what we do. Yeah, definitely. You don't need to be a punk or listen to punk rock to have that punk rock mindset in your school or classroom. We can all be punks here at the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. That's right. And in today's episode, Mike, you know, we are talking about uh, something that I think we might see a lot of people, you know, having some struggles right now as as we're kind of flipping the switch on education as we're as we're kind of all moving to remote learning, and sometimes. Some things are a bigger struggle for some of us and some things are hard for us to get through. And so our biggest, our big episode today, what we're talking about is the idea of like getting through the pit. How do you get through the hard stuff in order to get to the good stuff? Or how do you get through the things you struggle with? What do you do to get through the things you struggle with to get to the the best part? Because as educators, there are all sorts of things in our job that might be a struggle for us, right? Like, right you got into education because you wanted to be in a room with kids and instruct them and learn with them and lead them through that stuff and talk about the things that you're passionate about. But sometimes there's maybe a piece of curriculum. There's a a piece of paperwork that you just can't stand doing. There's all these kind of other facets to our job sometimes that, that we can struggle with. And so we want to talk a little bit about what those look like and how you and I find ourselves getting through those. Um, and I think like when we think about punk rock, there is this, when you go to a show, there's a couple things that you might have to struggle through before you get to the part you're really looking forward to, right? Right. I, have you ever been to a show where the opening band just isn't that great? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, if, if there's anyone in education that says, says they love every facet of the job i mean they're they're lying because there's always (laughs) there's a piece of everything and if we were to say we've never seen a punk show or a punk band that was not entertaining that'd be a lie to i mean there's been plenty of shows you go and you know you 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 kind of sit in the back because you're not (laughs) you're not your arms folded (laughs) right your arms are folded you're not you're not feeling the vibe from this band you're just kind of thinking like how in the world did these guys get up on stage to, <laughs> to open up for whoever we came to see, you know? Yeah. And you got to endure that 45 minutes, which seems like it's two hours <laughs> before, you know, you can get to what you need to get to. And, you know, what's unfortunate is by the time that band ends, you know, then you want to get up to the front to see who you're there for. Right, and then, now, right. At this point now, you've got to fight your way through that pit or through that crowd to make it up there. But, um, you know, it, it makes it worth it because you will get to to the reason you are there eventually, you know? Right. I remember we, I, I was in a band and we played a show once uh, here in Arizona. We, we played at this venue um, and the, one of the bands before us did like a weird spoken word poetry 
thing in the middle of it. And the dude like was writing stuff down and he took pieces of paper and he tore it up and he put it in a bucket and lit it on fire. It was the weirdest like opening act thing. I was like, what, what is going on? And so it was the first, so it was this little group that I was in and uh, it was the first time there was a, 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 you know, another teacher or friend of mine was playing cello in this band that I was in. Right. Okay. And she had never played a show before. It's the first time she'd ever played a show. And we go to this little art venue and the band before us does spoken word poetry, lights it on fire and puts it in a bucket while the band behind him is playing. (laughs) And she was like, what's going on? I'm like, sometimes this is what shows are like. (laughs) You got to sit through, you got to sit through some of the tough stuff to get to the the part you're looking at. And you talked about that idea of like getting through the pit, right? Sometimes you've got to, you've got to struggle through the crowd dodge the donkey kicks and the and the swinging arms in order to get to the front row so that you can finger point along to like your favorite hardcore band right right like, that's part of the struggle and and being a classroom teacher is no different than that being an educational leader like yourself is no different than that right. so mike what are some of the things that that you struggle with as a leader and how do you get through them what are some of the things you do to get through the pit of, of being an administrator? Uh, one, of the, one of the main things I hate is just the whole paperwork aspect, you know, filling out forms or creating works, you know, not worksheets, but creating, you know, like uh, documents for teachers to fill out or read. And to me, it's just, sometimes it's just, I don't want to say a waste of time, but there's other means to get messages across or to, to do that part of it. So some of it, you know, I've been able to find other ways to do it, but, but others, you know, district office still requires, you know, this form needs to be filled out and I'll find, you know, I, I, if you've been listening to the show, you know, that I'm not, I'm not the one, I'm not sitting in my front office doing this during the school day. So I've found where it's either I'll, I'll stay after, after hours when everyone's kind of gone. And that's when I kind of put some music on and I can at least enjoy listening to something that I want to listen to while I go through this task or bringing it home and doing it at night. You know, like it's, it's, if you're going to have to sit through it, like when we would sit through those bands at those shows waiting for, you know, Rancid or no effects or whoever the, the main act to come on, at least you would have your friends with you and you would sit there and we'd say some jokes and get through it. So that's the <laughs> way I kind of get through the paperwork aspect of it. Um, you know, another thing I, I can't stand, I can't stand having meetings basically just to have a meeting that, you know, you don't have to meet on a scheduled basis all the time. I mean, are, you, I, are you sure? Because I, you know I, <laughs> I know some principals who think you have to have a staff meeting every week for two hours. So it, that's not true. That's it, pretty good. It's, you know, but, and that's, what's unfortunate. I, I feel like I'm in the halls in the classrooms. I'm talking to my staff all of the time. And a lot of times then we'll come to our quote unquote, you know, date for the weekly or the monthly staff meeting. Josh, I don't have anything to share with them because I've already shared it with team <laughs> leaders. I've already shared it just being in the hallways. So one of the things that I've done, because I've talked to other principals across the country, you know, and uh, they've told me, they're like, well, don't have the meeting. If you don't have nothing to do, just don't have the meeting. And I said, well, unfortunately we can't because of the, the you know, the uh, teacher's contract. There has to be a once a month, hour long meeting after school. And, you know, I've tried to get out of it and I can't because then, 
those teachers owe us basically an hour somewhere. So the easiest way is to just hold the meeting. So one of the things that I've done is, you know, and we've talked about it on the show a little bit. This is kind of when I speak at conferences, uh, what I what I discuss. I've turned it into something where I'm not just delivering information. You know, we're going to get up, we're going to get moving, we're going to do activities that I would hope that my staff can then say, hey, I there, there's a way I can bring this back to my students and just make it, you know, fun and engaging for them. Um, so we kind of enjoy that hour because you know how it is, Josh. Yeah. After teaching all all week you know usually the meetings are the middle of the week um or it really doesn't matter what day of the week they are you know you have it on a monday that still stings because you're oh, just yeah. getting back in the group <laughs> but like okay here we go now we're gonna sit here for an hour it's no one wants to be there not even an administrator i remember before when i used to just do a bullet point staff meeting i did not want to be there so just finding ways to get people up moving and laughing and enjoying it um makes it more beneficial for us all uh I'm not going to harp too much on the next point where, you know, cause I've talked about it before analyzing data. Uh, that's not my suit strong suit. So I've just found ways to get others to, to, you know, build my crew and help me out with that. Um, but I think one of, one of the pieces of the job, which is, you know, surprising um, being a, a, an administrator, you know, a school leader where I have to do staff evaluations. Um, I don't enjoy, discussing areas of growth with people. I'm not comfortable with it. You know, it's kind of that uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, a lot of the times when I do my kind of informal pop-ins or I'm just hanging out in the classrooms, I'm, I'm always leaving positive feedback. Um, because so many times, you know, administrators who only come in the two times a year yeah. to do your formals, um, or, or they just do their, in, their, their one or two informals that they're required to do, it always kind of feels like all they are harping on is what you're doing wrong. Like what can you improve on? So I, I really strive to every time I'm in there, stress the positive things we're doing because everyone is doing great things. And so then when I come to those conversations, when we're sitting down to talk about the formal observation and the areas they can grow, I don't want to say weaknesses. They're just areas for growth. You know, right. You could coach up that that's, yeah. that's what that role is. You coach people up in those areas that they struggle with. Yeah. It makes it a little easier because we've already established throughout the whole year, what you're good at. So now this conversation is more, okay, like here's what we let's, let's spice this up because when you get this in your toolbox, I mean, you're going to be an unstoppable educator and you know, it's just going to be a bigger benefit for our students. So just finding other ways to approach these things that I don't like to do. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not in that role of having to do evaluations, right. But I, I sit in on a lot of post evaluation meetings, right? Like right. In my, and my role is as a union leader, I sit in on a lot of inadequacy meetings when principals have to give that plan to teachers to say, Hey, if you don't meet this, you're going to be non-renewed. Right. Right. And so I sit in a lot of those and the ones that go well are the ones where principals are able to say like, here's the stuff that I know you're good at. So if we can translate those things that you're good at and find them in these areas, or they go better when a principal has a good, has a good working relationship. I was just going to say that it all comes back to having that relationship. If you don't have that relationship, when you sit down to, to talk about where they may be lacking, it's an awkward conversation, but if you've got that, that relationship, you know, a professional relationship there, it's going to make it that much easier because they know that I'm coming from a place of, you know, 
I truly want to help you. Like, I'm not saying you're not doing good. I'm saying let's make this better. So right. we're all better for our kids. Right. And, and I think that, that that's one of the key things. And then for me, like in my role, some of the stuff that I struggle with, and it's the same thing as you, it's, it's, it's just finding a different way to do it, whether that's trying to have a little more fun with it. We've talked about it before. Like our attitude is contagious, right? Yes. And so if you don't like a part of your job and you put that on display for either the kids you're teaching or the teachers you're leading or the staff you're leading, they're going to see that as well. Right? right. So like you said, if you walk into that staff meeting, you're like, all right, here's the dang bullet points. And you know, <laughs> you go through it like that. <clears throat> no one, it, that really brings down what that room right. is like. So sometimes we, we got to sell something a little more. And for me, like some of those things that, that I just, I'm going to tell you are a struggle right now in this new reality that we're in of remote learning, right? Like I am, I've taught uh, government for a very long time, right? I have basically, you could just go, hey, Josh, I need you to talk to a class about this. I need you to do this tomorrow. And I'd be like, okay, I got it, right? I'd come right. in, I'd figure out how I want to do it. Because I've been doing it for so long, a lot of my bones of how I plan are taken care of, right? right. So what I, so all I have to do now in, in the normal environment is to go, okay, what are the current events I can slap onto this for us to talk about? What's an activity I can bring in to spice this thing up this year or this semester or whatever it is. But now that we've flipped to this online world, I'm finding that like, I got to plan a whole lot more than I've ever had to plan before. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm going to, I will freely admit I am, I am not in, uh, I'm not a planner. It's just not, I'm a very much like seat of my pants kind of guy. Okay, let's go do that. Let's go figure it right. out. Right. And, and that's a struggle for me. And so lesson planning has been one of those things where, yep, I did it in college. And as a high school teacher, high school principals don't ask us for lesson plans because there's like 180 of us and right. no high school principal wants to look at 180 lessons, right? Plans, right? Like, they, no. like it's just not going to happen. So it's, it's not to say that I don't plan. I have like a calendar that I go like, all right, here's the things I'm going to cover. And here's about how I think I'm going to do it. But now that we've kind of switched over, I got to plan a little more because it's a whole new scenario, right? And so yes. that's been tough for me. But one of the things that's made it a little easier is, is we've been able to communicate really quickly as a PLC because we're all at home online. Right. And so we have a, essentially a, a chat group on WebEx, which is the Zoom kind of platform we're using in my district. Okay. And it really allows us to like shoot questions back and forth really easy to go like, Hey, what are you doing for this? How are you going to yeah. make this work? And so having that quick access to my colleagues, right. Instead of having to wait for that passing period to go walk down and go like, man, how are you going to do uh, the electoral college this year? What's a, you know, right. we can, we can shoot those messages back and forth a lot easier. And so that's been really nice. Another thing, <clears throat> you know, I'm an, I'm an economics, I've taught economics. Um, and one of the things that I really hated about teaching economics was our unit on personal finance. I, I, I hate, I know, I know it's important. I know it's a practical skill. I know all of that, but I would much rather like draw macro graphs and talk about <laughs> policy and how, you know, how unemployment affects the economy and all that stuff. Right. And, and so when it comes to personal finance, I'm like, Oh man, like it was one of those things that I hated. So I knew that if I came into my classroom just crapping on that unit and not having fun with that unit, 
kids would feel the same way. So it was about exactly. trying to, it was about trying to find a way to make it fun. So I made a game out of it, right? Like nice. I, I had like a digital wheel where kids would spin and they'd get their, their job and their salary, right? And then there was a, uh, they'd have to keep their budget for personal finance. And then uh, there would be like a wheel they'd spin for either something good would happen in their budget or something bad would happen in their budget, right? Like right. we had to gamify it a little bit to make it a little more enjoyable because it can be really dry to go like, and a CD gets 3% <laughs> annually for you know your investment, right? And so just trying to jazz it up a little bit I think That's one of the cool. other, yeah, one of those really other things, cool. man. And I know that you have to do this a lot as a as a as an administrator. So I'm curious. I hate phone calls. I hate making <laughs> phone calls because, like, part of my job as you know, as a as a union leader, is a lot of calls to teachers and calls to school board members right. and superintendents and all this stuff. And I I used to dread it so much. Like I'm the person who doesn't want to order a pizza on the phone because I'm like, I, uh, uh, I, and I forget my own address. Right. 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 And so I like, what do you, how do you get through something like that? How do you like, what do you do to like, go? okay, I got to make this call. I'm going to do it. Like what's your mindset when you do that? Yeah. I've never been a fan of that either because I mean, majority of the phone calls the minister is making home are not positive phone calls. You know, it's, Hey, you owe us a lunch balance or your, your child's done this, or there's this issue. And you know, it's, it's uncomfortable, especially at the elementary level. Um, you know, when I, when I was in the middle school, um, arena, it was a little easier because at that point, parents kind of knew their kids and it wasn't as much of a shock. I mean, it still was, it still was <laughs> yeah, uncomfortable, yeah. but you know, the elementary, you know, everyone, everyone's kids are still angels, you know, not yeah, my yeah. child. So, um, you know, I've found that what has made it easier because I've had those phone calls where I've had to hold the phone away from my ear because I'm just getting screamed at. Um, but making my best effort and, and I'm not that good at this and I, it's, I need to get better at it, but you know, I'm sure you've seen on social media, you know, the good news call today, yeah. positive phone. It's again, it comes back to kind of when I was talking about those, those awkward conversations with staff. If you've, if me as the principal have made more positive phone calls, especially to these kids who we know um, are our kind of, I, I hate the little, term frequent flyers, but right. right. They, they have some struggles. Right. It's, it's, if you've made those positive phone calls and connections with the families at first, it's not then, a you know, this horrible, oh, here we go again. What did he do? You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, they know you're, you're there working with them. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie, Josh, though. I still, to make those phone calls, I kind of, I kind of got to like, you know, hype myself up before I make them. You know, I kind of go in my office and I take a few deep breaths. I make sure I got a, you know, fresh cup of, of a coffee or a water <laughs> by. And I, I kind of, I don't know why, but I have like this ritual where I kind of like organize everything that's around my phone. Um, and then I kind of make the phone call. Like it's, it's like this just mental preparation to know, you know, all right here we go. We're going to call. I kind of play out what I want to say in my head. And 99% yeah. of the time it never gets said that way because, you know, I've learned too. And, and educators, you guys all know this. Everyone knows this. A lot of times we just need to let those parents vent, just yeah. let them, you know, if they're the ones that called us, especially, you know, I just kind of let them talk first. Cause nine times out of 10, they just want to get that off their chest. They just have an issue with the teacher or something that happened or the assignment. Just let them kind of vent. 
And then I kind of talk them through, you know, it's funny, my uh, admin assistants in the front office, they, uh, <laughs> the one she's like, you going to magic mic them? Because she says, <laughs> she, she says, I have like this, this skill where I can just calm, you know, some of the most irate <laughs> parents down. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I'll come out of the office with a big smile and say, you know, I did it. They're good. So, <laughs> you know, there are all these things that, that can be tough for us as educators. And I think we've continued it. We've said this, but haven't come out and said it. You've said it a couple times. Like when you were talking about analyzing data, it's about relying on those people around you to help Your you out. With it, right. When I, you know, when I'm talking about having to do lesson plans in this new crazy world that we're, that we're in, it's about like leaning on my neighbors. Right. Right. If I don't know how to do something, it's about admitting that you don't know how to do something and finding someone who can help you do it, right? Asking for that help um, is, is, what we've, is what we've got to do. And that's really how we're going to get through all this stuff. And so what we did, like always, is we reached out to our crew online and we asked them on our slow chat, you know, what's one part of your job, whether it's curriculum or paperwork or, or something that you struggle with? And, and how do you get through it, right? We got some how do you get through it, but we got a, a good amount of like, man, this is the thing that I struggle with. Right. So, you know, we reached out, um, our, our, our pal online, Adam Kodos, he said, uh, I struggle with my lesson plans. In social studies, I like to build on the interest of students. I'll continue deeper on subjects they're into. I fall away from my plans and forget to update or record them. I understand the purpose of them, but it's tough. <laughs> I would tell you you're doing it right, man. Yeah. Like you, you, those lesson plans aren't in stone, right? You know, they shouldn't be written in ink. They're in pencil. Maybe like you wrote them in sand almost sometimes, right? Because right? things are going to change. And I think when you teach something like social studies or any subject, if you can have your students help guide you, but you're still hitting those standards, right? That's, that's what you want. That's what you want. You want yeah. kids to be engaged and engaged and invested in it. Yeah, we've had conversations about lesson plans too, you know, it's, I feel they're more of a, a guide, you know, like I, I used to, when I would, when I taught, I would have my lesson plans and like it, it more was just for me to kind of gather my thoughts for the week. But as the week went on, I Tuesday, half the time, I wasn't even on, on page with where I should have been, you know, it's more we got the standards on that we needed to do, but, and Adam's doing it right. If, if the kids are taking you down that path, because that's what they're into, as long as you're getting to what you need to get to, I mean, let them lead their learning. I mean, that's, right. that's what we want. Um, Chuck Moss, for me, it's discipline. It's so important that teachers and staff know they are supported, but it can be hard to lead instruction while dealing with behavior issues. And I, I agree a hundred percent with him. You know, I'm fortunate to have an assistant principal and they kind of take majority of the uh, discipline issues where the principals in our district are more as, you know, the instructional leaders. Um, but there's those days where the assistant principal's out or there's just a, a ton of stuff going on or there's major issues where we, you know, we like to do a team approach. I don't just say, hey, you're the disciplinarian and I'm going to yeah. go do this and hang out in classrooms. Um, where there's those days where all I do is uh, sit with students who have, been having behavior issues. And it's unfortunate. You know, I saw Todd Whitaker speak once and I loved his approach when he said, if a student was sent to the principal's office, he would tell his secretaries, 
okay, well, they can sit there because I'm going to deal with the other 99% of the students who are doing what's right and what we're here for. And when I have the time, then I will address them. And I've kind of taken that approach um, as much as I can, you know, let the kids kind of sit, sit. And in effect, it, they're then reflecting on why they're there. And by the time I get to them, they've calmed down and whatnot. But I agree. It's, it's frustrating, Chuck, because you want to be there for your teachers and the, and the students, not for discipline issues. And it's, it's, it just it sucks. It takes up so much time. It's that, it's that struggle, right? It's that struggle yeah. of being a leader and having, you know, four different roles. I mean, teachers have a million different roles too, just like an administrator does. And, and, you know, if, if you're spending all your time with discipline, it can be really hard to be that instructional leader on campus. Right. So, you know, that is one of those struggles. And, and, and like you said, finding a way to deal with it and finding a system that works for you, you know, whether that's like a multi-tiered system, right? You've got your tier ones that take place in, you know, in right. your classroom and then, you know, you move it that way. But it, it's about working together as a school, right? How right. are we going to tackle discipline so that you're not, so maybe you're not as the administrator always stuck in those. Right. Uh, we got one from uh, Ahads and uh, she says, I love this question. It hardly gets asked. I struggle with the constant limbo of is it rigorous enough or what is rigor? How is it measured? What if kids are on different levels? I combat this by assessing and doing the best I can by meeting them where they are and pushing. And love I th- it. Right? Like, I think that that's, that's a, I think rigor is one of those words that's thrown around a lot. Yes. And for some people, they think rigor is five more worksheets. Right. Right. Or it's a 10 page essay instead of a five page. essay. Right. Right. Um, And so I really do like what she said there. The idea of like, I find out where they're at and I push them. Right. Right. And so that's what rigor is. Rigor is it's taking those kids where they're at and, and giving them the structure and support, but then going, okay, now do more. Right. Right. Here's where you are do more and not like do five more worksheets or five more problems, but, but show me your understanding deeper. Right. You know, that, that, that sort of way to do it. That was the best definition of uh, explanation of rigor I've ever heard, Josh. You need to, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to write that. I'm writing that, uh, that, that, that essay right now. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Jordan teaching special ed. It's so hard to help students with gen ed lessons when I'm not in the gen ed room. I have to quickly teach myself the lesson before trying to teach the kids and we lose time. I get through it though. You know, and I, and I've, I've heard this from uh, some of my special education uh, staff as well. You know, it's, it's hard because sometimes special, special education teachers, especially if you're like a self-contained room, you're kind of like on your Island, you know, like you've got your students who are at a different level yet the state assessment is still going to expect them to be tested at that grade level, which we've talked about before is completely unfair. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's hard because I know my self-contained, you know, they're split, they're split grade levels. Like my one, Mr. White, he's second and third grade and uh, Mrs. Smith, she's fourth and fifth grade. So when the teams meet, you can't be in two team meetings at the same time. Right. You know, so they have to pick and choose where they're going to go. So it's always kind of like they're missing something somewhere. And, you know, it, it is difficult because you also have to, you know, they have to prepare and plan with their paraprofessionals who are in their rooms. Right, right. But I know for us, like our paraprofessionals, they don't have specific plan times. And then in the mornings when the teachers have their team meetings, 
our paraprofessionals are assigned supervision duties. So it is, it's, it's almost like this unfair kind of juggling act that the special education teachers who already have a, a difficult job, which every right. educator has a difficult job, now they have to try to juggle all this and still do the best for their kids. Um, I don't have an answer for, for Carrie, <laughs> I, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I think Carrie's, Carrie's point is this idea is like, like you said, like you're juggling all this stuff. And if you're a pullout teacher, if your program for special ed is you pull kids in for support, right? Or you hold a resource room. Maybe you have kids that you bring in for the hour, right? For, for mm -hmm. some resource stuff. Um, and you're supposed to help all of these different kids at different levels in different classes. Um, and if you're not itinerant in those classrooms and you're not seeing what the lesson is, you have to be a master of everything, right? True. Like, right, right. Oh crap. I better learn about, you know, the, the Roman empire. Cause I got to teach it to right. me. I got to help these kids learn it. Or I'm going to have to learn, uh, you know, geology really quick. Cause these kids are in that unit in, in earth science or whatever it is. And so I, I think like to, to carry, it ends up being like, you have to find a way to build that connection somewhat in each department right i so was just gonna say that you got to build that crew with right. all of those departments where they they understand the, the kind of weight that you're carrying with everything and find a way for them to kind of i don't want to say help you but get your you stuff know. in advance right yes. like oh hey here's yes what we're talking about here's some good resources like here's something you might be able to use to to help you with right you know, um, and it's just, it's just planning and it, it's, it's a, it's a tough juggle. And I think that's the one thing, you know, as a, as a general ed teacher, one of the things that I really respect about, you know, my special ed colleagues is having to juggle a million different subjects in a million different levels every day for the kids right. that they service. Right. Right. Uh, the last tweet we pulled was from Debbie at a better classroom. And I really like this one because it really ties into with what's going on with so many educators right now. It says, worry about connections. Such a big part of my teaching. I can read body language or tone and tell, quote unquote, where they are with academics or personal issues. Making the most of Zoom time, but it's not enough to really talk. Starting one-to-one -one next week, but still missing approximately 20% of her kids. And, you know, this, this is really difficult. You know, I've, I've been doing weekly Zoom meetings with my staff. And I, I see what Debbie's coming from because as I was watching my, the Zoom I had a couple staff members who are usually pretty vocal in our normal meetings, didn't say one word, right, you know, and, right. and they just kind of sat there and they, I could tell in their body language that they, through the screen, it looked like they weren't, you know, their normal self. So I sent them a text um, after our meeting. I said, Hey, you know, are, is everything okay? You were very quiet. And, you know, they're just like, yeah, I am. But it's Debbie, you know, you're not alone. I, this is a really tough time. I got a text yeah. from a teacher yesterday and it just said, Mike, I miss my kids. And she was upset. She did a zoom. She, she had, you know, maybe half of the kids were there and she was like, I forgot to take a screenshot. I just wanted to have a screenshot of my kids. And I said, well, you're going to do another one on Monday, you know, just hopefully, yeah. but this is a difficult time for, for all of us. We're all yeah, starting to, I mean, trying we're, to navigate we're this relational new world. people, right? We're relational people. We're used to be in a room and feeling energy from kids and feeling energy from the people around us. And, and that's hard to get through a mm -hmm. screen, right? It's tough, you know? Um, so, you know, we want to thank everybody who sent us in, you know, your struggles, we're going to get through them together. And the key thing, you know, that we keep coming back to is like, reach out, 
from six feet apart and, you know, <laughs> make that call, make that, you know, that Twitter tag, you know, text that person and go, Hey, I need some help with this. Right. Right. Like I, I'm struggling with this. I don't know what this looks like. And that, that doesn't stop just when we're in this scenario we're in right now, but when we get back into our buildings and we're back in front of kids and you go and you get that section of curriculum that you're, that you dread, ask a colleague how they get through it. Cause maybe they right. love it. Right. Right. They might have some tips for you. You might have a principal who, who has the best way to get through that paperwork, right? right? They might have a system where they go like, you know what I do, Mike? I do 10 minutes of it, 10 minutes of it a day. I sit down, I yeah. start my day, I nail out a little bit of it. The next morning, that's how I see, you know, like whatever it is to get through it. So you're not slogging through Thursday night, you know, to, to do right. that big piece of paperwork, you know, whatever it looks like. So guys, we really want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, our next episode is going to be uh, uh, our in-between episode that we're doing. We're going to be doing a little bit of an interview for our in-between episode. A friend of ours, uh, uh, Christine Ravisi uh, Weinstein, put out a book, and we're going to we're going to talk to her about her book uh, and have her on. So that's really exciting for our our in-between episode that we're going to do. But then when we come back full full episode in two weeks, uh, Mike and I are going to talk about uh, selling out. Major label versus indie label, right? Yes. You know, you, you hear educators talk about going to the dark side of being an administrator. And we kind of want to talk about how we need punks to lead, right? So Mike and I are going to have a conversation about being a punk rock leader and what that means. And that'll be on the next episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Punk Classrooms. You can follow Mike on Twitter at EduChef Earnshaw. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh R. Buckley. And don't forget to follow the little collective we're a part of at EduNeverDies. That's for Education Never Dies. And join us on Wednesday nights for our chat, 830 Central. It's good times. Yep. And then, uh, so until the next episode, check out the hashtag, Punk Rock Classrooms, to be a part of our slow chats and, and anything you want to share with the, our crew. And like Josh said, the hashtag education never dies. The chat is Wednesday nights, three questions, 830 Central. And then uh, don't be afraid to, to hop on the Voxer After Hours chat with that. It's a great time. So Josh, before we go, what have you been listening to? Hi, man. This has been this has been one of those weeks where you know we're home a lot. I'm not driving anywhere. So most of my music is is when I run. Right. So most, okay. most of the tunes I'm listening to is running. I'm going to go, I'm going to go outside of the box on you. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a run earlier this week. I did a, I did a, you know, my six mile run. So on my run this week, I listened to a band called black market brass and it's a super funky jazz sort of like very, has a very seventies sort of jazz funk vibe okay. to it. And it's, it had like a good pace to it. And I, I did that on my six miles this week. I wanted, I wanted a different feeling. It felt like I was running through like a 70s spy movie, like a little bit. <laughs> so nice. It was, it was good. That was so Black Market Brass. That was the, that was the, uh, the band I was listening to this week on my run. So on one of my runs. So um, for me, I'm still listening to that new Suicide Machines record. Oh, it's so good. Um, so good. It's, it, that's the thing. It's so good. But I do got to say that yesterday, uh, this band pieced out. It's uh, Vinny Caruana from the movie Life. It's got uh, the guitar player from the RX band. It's got a couple other, um, you know, California uh, musicians who I, I can't think off the top of my head. They, they were like a super group. They came together a couple of years ago and dropped out this, this EP that was amazing. And then yesterday, I had no idea it was coming out. I just saw on Spotify for new releases. They released a full length and uh, they claim they're from outer space. <laughs> um, so they have kind of like, it's like this, you know, hardcore, you know, 
It's Vinny's, very spazzy. It's very like spazzy yes. math hardcore. Yeah. It's, yes, and it's it's got some real technical riffs to it. So uh, I've been listening to that uh, since yesterday. So that's awesome. my uh, yep. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you're at. Remember, you can also find you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, both of them are at Punk Classrooms. Uh, and then you can you can check out our shop for Threadless if you need a little bit of quarantine merch. You can check it out. Yep. Uh, threadless.com slash punk rock classrooms. Uh, that's where you can find us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you at, at the, the show. show. <laughs>